Today's gospel reading comes from the 18th chapter of Luke. You can follow along on page 81 of your Red Pew Bible. Listen now for God's word to you. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will act quickly He will quickly grant them justice, and yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The word of the Lord. Sometimes we make comparisons to show how different things are from one another. For example, when we complain about yet another Browns quarterback that's no good, we say things like, well, he's no Bernie Kosar. Or when we critique a piece of music, uh, it's a song we just don't care for all that much, we might say that the, Moser is, the uh, composer excuse me, is no Mozart or the singer is no Lady Gaga. Sometimes we make comparisons to show how different things are from one another. That's what Jesus is trying to do in today's passage. He's trying to show us how different God is than some unjust judge. That's what he's trying to do. But I'm not sure he succeeds in his endeavor because at times, it sure feels like to me anyway, that our prayers, our cries, our petitions fall on deaf ears. We all know what it's like from personal experience to hammer at God's door, to cry out to God and hear nothing but the echo of our own voice in return. We all know a spouse or a friend whose spouse was battling an addiction, who prayed and prayed that the addiction would go away, and yet it doesn't, and the marriage is over. We all know parents of a child who gets sick, and the church prays, the parents pray, the family prays, and still the child dies. We all know what it's like to pray for something, anything new to break into our mundane lives, and we do it. We pray over and over again, God, do something new, something exciting, and all we get is more and more of the same. I'm not critiquing, I'm just observing But sometimes it seems that God acts a lot like that unjust judge who ignores the widow's cries. 
Now, I'm not saying anything you don't already know, but I believe that hospital volunteers, that people who set aside time every week to put on that smock and walk around hospitals are truly saints among us. Most of us, nearly all of us, can't even stand stepping foot into a hospital when we're well. But these folks dedicate time each and every week, year after year, to be with and pray with those who are sick and dying. I had a friend named Anna who did this. The day after she retired, she began to volunteer at her local hospital. She would pray and sit with those who were sick and pray to God on their behalf, despite the fact that her husband never went to church, even though she'd been praying that he would go to church for their whole marriage. Anna would sit and talk with the ailing, despite the fact that her daughter who'd been on the church prayer chain for God knows how long, kept getting sicker and sicker. And he would pray for the sick, even though she knew that a lot of the folks she prayed for would never make it home. So why did she do it? Why did she bother praying? Why did she keep on praying, despite the apparent ineffectiveness of most, if not all, of her prayers? I could ask the same question of you. Why do you keep praying? I mean, every Sunday, like Anna, you stubbornly cling to the hope that our prayers, your prayers, silent and spoken, that they make some dent in the world we live in. Sunday after Sunday, the Lord's Prayer, we ask for our daily bread, and by our, we mean the world's daily bread. And yet, this morning, a billion people woke up hungry and hurting. We pray for forgiveness in our confession each Sunday. For ourselves and for others, others, we ask that God send mercy down like rain from heaven, and yet judgment and hatred march unabated in our world, causing violence and pain. And we plead in the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation. And yet all of us here struggle with some reoccurring brokenness or sin. So why do you do it? You're smart people, you're Presbyterians. You go to Fairmont, you're logical So why do people like you, like Anna, like me, why do we keep praying to God even though our prayers rarely yield the results that we're looking for? Admiral Jim Stockdale was the highest-ranking U.S. military officer in the Hanoi Hilton prisoner of war camp during the Vietnam War. His story, if you don't know it, it's an incredible one. It's worth reading Despite the sheer hopelessness of his situation in that prisoner of war camp, each day Admiral Stockdale chose to do things to increase the number of prisoners who might survive. Through his actions, he acted as if justice one day would come. He exchanged intelligence with his wife, risking his own life. He beat himself black and blue so he couldn't be used as a well-treated prisoner on TV And he instituted rules so that folks would survive their captivity just a bit longer. Staring in the face of complete hopelessness and uncertainty, Admiral Stockdale remained vigilant and hopeful. In an interview after his unlikely rescue, Admiral Stockdale was asked how he dealt with his reality while he was imprisoned. I never lost faith, he said. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted for once that I would get out 
and turn that experience into the defining event of my life, an event that I would never trade. After a moment of silence, the interviewer asked a follow-up question, as interviewers tend to do. So, who didn't make it out? Stockdale's response was quick and surprising. Oh, that's easy, he said. The optimists. Who? The optimists. They were the ones who didn't make it. They were the ones who said, we're going to get out by Christmas, and then Christmas would come and Christmas would go. Then they say, we're going to get out by Easter, and Easter would come and Easter would go. We're going to get out by, by Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving would come and Thanksgiving would go, and they would die of a broken heart. Stockdale then looked directly into the interviewer's eyes and said this, This is a very important lesson, he said. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose. You can't confuse that with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your present reality, whatever they may be. The world, as we've been reminded the past few weeks, is a mess. To say otherwise, to say it's all okay, would just be untrue. Billions of people live on less than a dollar a day. Religious intolerance is running rampant. The fad of war seems to have caught a second wind. And the greatest nation on earth struggles to stay in the middle of the pack in the fields of education, effective governance, and the rates of incarceration. The world is a mess. Our nation, eh, it's a mess. To say otherwise would just be untrue. And yet, despite all this, we stubbornly claim here on Sunday morning that the world is in God's more than capable hands, that things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose, and that our prayers will, can, and do make a difference. The world is a mess, and we affirm that God is in control. It's enough to make crazy, crazy like a widow who won't give an unjust judge a moment of peace. Several years ago, many years ago, some of our more conservative brothers and sisters of the faith developed a term. The term was prayer warrior. They were trying to find some language to help reinvigorate the life of prayer they felt that Christians should have. Many years ago, I tried that term for myself. I started calling myself a prayer warrior. Warrior, yeah. Hmm. I tried, I really, I I gave it a college try, but it just didn't stick. I I couldn't live with it. It sounded too, I don't know, violent for me. It felt like prayer was something I had to suit up for to do. No, the, the widow in today's story doesn't have any special powers. She is not armed with advanced weaponry. Her prayers are not salvos meant to destroy enemy fortifications. All this frail, hopeless widow, and she would have been hopeless in that world in that time, all she has at her disposal is a stubborn belief that one day justice will be hers. She's not a warrior. She's a nag. A nag who refuses to accept any future than the future she stubbornly believes is rightfully hers. And Jesus says, that is faith. 
1926, mystery writer Agatha Christie disappeared for 11 days. She disappeared and was found 11 days later in a spa hotel. If you're going to get lost, (laughs) there are worse places to end up. But when they found her in the spa, she had no recollection of who she was. Her husband, it turns out, was in the midst of yet another affair, and she had reached, literally reached, a breaking point. Her mind had snapped. Pretending that everything was going to be okay, while knowing full well that her husband was being unfaithful, caused her to have a psychotic episode. She couldn't, because she couldn't reconcile the life she wanted with the life she actually had, Agatha lost her memory and her identity and wandered miles and miles from home. In time, she recovered her memory and her sense of self, but the experience of being left lost left her deeply troubled and confused. I'm just going to say things very clearly for a second here. Prayer is not primarily about changing our situation. Prayer is not about changing necessarily our situation. If we measure the efficacy, the effectiveness of prayer based on tangible results that we can see and touch, we will often be very, very disappointed. Prayer does not always change our situations, but it does always put them in the proper frame. Prayer takes hopeless situations and surrounds them, infuses them with the promises of God. We pray to persevere because prayer weaves the promises of God into the tapestry of our lives. Back in 1969, the now legendary Sesame Street barely made it out of the studio. When the show was tested in Philadelphia to a group of kids, the show bombed. Kids hated it. They were bored senseless by Sesame Street. The street scenes with the live actors dancing around and talking that were supposed to be the glue of the show were the moments when the kids lost the most interest. Desperate to keep children's attention so the show would air, the producers tried something that no one had tried before. They combined the fantasy and reality parts of the show and made them one. Up to that point, child psychologists didn't believe that kids could comprehend a mix of fantasy with reality. But the producers were desperate of Sesame Street, so they went back and shot all the street scenes with puppets they could walk and talk with the adults in the show. This mixed, this blend of fantasy and reality birthed Snuffleupagus, Oscar the Grouch, and Big Bird. And now the very heart of Sesame Street, the thing that makes it work, makes it bearable to watch, <laughs> is this magical blend between fantasy and reality. What the psychologist said was impossible became the most appealing, the most enduring part of the show. Prayer requires us to do that, to blend a little hope, a little fantasy with our stark reality. Prayer blends our life as it is and as we long for it to be. Prayer is what allows us to hold intention, a hope for a better tomorrow, 
and the at times brutal reality of our lives. I bet most folks thought the widow was nuts to keep going back and back and back to a judge who never listened to a word she said. But she wasn't. Eventually, her prayers, we are told, were answered. He got tired of her nagging, and so he granted her justice. How much more kindness will God show to us? Our prayers always make a difference. Sometimes it's a difference we can see, like a healing, a second chance, a new relationship, a job, a kid. But often, the difference that our prayer makes is something we can't see, but is just as real, like a fresh perspective, a sense of deep peace, or a deeper trust that God is actually with us in all things. So like that widow, I want to ask you to try something this week. I want you to nag God. I want you to pray and pray and pray and wear God's ears out. Pepper God, cajole God, pester God with the deepest longings of your heart. Stubbornly pray for a better tomorrow while you face with courage the troubles of today. Do that. Nag God. So when Christ does return to right every wrong and to make the wounded whole, he will find faith here on earth. Amen.